Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Wow, I'm so happy today to introduce you to my friend, Bonnie Gray. I've known, well, I don't know her, know her, but I've been following her because she wrote these beautiful books. Well, back in the day, I looked up the dates, Bonnie, 2014 was your first book. And Bonnie is an author, speaker, and I would call an encourager. Her books have always been encouraging. Her blog, amazingly encouraging. And uh, it says here that um, you help people with soul care, right, Bonnie? and stress recovery and emotional healing. Do you feel you had to go through all the emotional healing before you could even write any of those books? No, I think that's the key is that while we're experiencing walking through a valley, that's where God is closest to us. Mm -hmm. That's when he's nearest to us. And so that is when we can invite others on our journey and we can say, we are together we are not alone. And that's what's beautiful about our faith. The world doesn't work that way, Sue, right? The world right. says, I have to wait until I'm put together. I have to wait until I'm perfect. And only the mountaintop experiences. Well, most of life is in the middle. Most of life is mm-hmm. messy. And that's why we're lonely. If we are not able to have that kind of friendship, kinship, and support, that's when we find ourselves lonely. So even though we are women of faith, we want to leave a legacy of faith. Sometimes we forget that our legacy is being created as we share our life with each other. And we sometimes feel like we need to wait until things are resolved until I can bring glory to God. But in fact, Jesus himself shows us, you know, the moments that he felt, you know, we felt most close to him, at least when I do is like moments like in the garden of Gethsemane when he's crying Hmm. and Jesus is just, he's just so much in pain and yet he still belongs to God. He's still the son of God. And so I think this is a message we need to offer each other to be that refuge to each other. You know what, this world is really, really bad right now. And I'm feeling very stressed. Mm -hmm. I feel very worn and um, I need, I need to share this with you. How about Hmm. you? How are you doing? Oh, suddenly, even in the midst of our stresses, we find refuge. We find a cup of tea with someone. We find a moment of relief Hmm. to say, you know what? We're going to be okay. Not because things are perfect, but because we're with each other. So we need that more and more soul care. Um, You know, the Lord tells us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, and soul. Soul. Mm -hmm. And so we often focus on the mind, you know, Bible study, learning the truth, analyzing it. And we do need it. That's the important part is to know the truth. We can fight with the truth. But um, and the heart, the heart in scripture is a seat of decision making, like where we're devoted and we want to make the right decisions to align with the truth. That's great. But for me, at least, Sue, and I know for many women, as I speak and, and, and nurture and mentor women, it's like the soul part of the verse is invisible. (laughs) Like I don't have, before my journey for healing of anxiety and depression and, 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 and emotional trauma, 
Like that word just didn't seem to exist for me. I don't have that language. Like, mm. well, how are you, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, previous to my journey, Sue, of uh, soul care, I was just like, what does it matter? Does mm-hmm. it, does it change anything how I feel? No. So like, let's just move on. Let's just get her done. Let's just figure out what we need to do. Um, you know, who needs what? And I go to my checklist. Right. Like, that is the kind of life mindset that worked for me mm-hmm. worked really well. Cause that kind of mindset of getting things done and not letting things get you down and ignoring, putting your heart to the side. It's very well rewarded in school. It is very well rewarded so in ministry. Yep. Very well rewarded, you know, in your family. Cause you know, that's a hat we have to wear. As, well, we're uh, just so glad that mom's not falling apart again. So, you know, they want our souls to be healthy. So we have to put on this cover at times just so that they're not upset. So I think that's very, very true what you're saying. And I sort of jumped the gun because I'm asking you a heavy question right at the beginning. But Bonnie, tell us a little bit about your family and your ministry. And then I really want to talk about your new book. Oh, great. So um, I have two boys. They're Josh and Caleb, 13 and 15. We named them after the two spies that made it into the promised land as a reminder that we are building a new legacy of faith. Love it. Yes. They're a reminder that we're going to write a new story together as a family. Mm -hmm. And we are giving ourselves permission to do things different from the past. Mm -hmm. So we named them Josh and Caleb. I love that. Yeah. I was really excited when I was pregnant with my second baby. I said, Lord, please, please let it be a boy. I want to name because our first was named Joshua. I was like, Oh, I hope it's a, it's a boy. Obviously, you know, God's in charge. He gets to decide what gender, but we said, (laughs) if we had a choice, I would love to have a boy. I want to name him Josh and Caleb. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So I am a soul care mentor. What that means is I have a podcast. I'm a podcaster, breathe the stress less podcast. And because I myself have gone through healings from panic attacks, anxiety, and depression, I want to share what I learned to help my body restore calm, help my emotions restore God's peace. And that's the message I share as a podcaster and in my previous books as well. Now, the Bonnie, let me ask you a quick question about that, because that is so beautiful what you're offering. I see that the world is copying that kind of thing because, but they leave God out of the picture. So how does yours uh, contrast with someone who would just say, well, let's just do some yoga. Not that there's anything wrong with yoga, but let's just go do this and our ohms and all these things, but they don't necessarily meditate on God. So how would yours contrast with that? Well, for sure. I felt that way before, like in my previous mindset, there's a lot of, um, here I live in the Bay area in California. So there, most people are unchurched. They don't have a faith. And so we focus a lot on a lot of different, um, what they call faith in order to relieve stress and meditation is a big deal here in the Bay area and yoga and all that stuff. So I kind of just was the Bible study gal, like, (laughs) I was the one that was, okay, I just need Jesus. I just need the God's word. Mm-hmm. But once my body started telling me that, no, you're not feeling good. You're having panic attacks. You, you're in a fog. You can't hardly get out of bed. I had to learn uh, through therapy and therapy is about sharing your stories, really. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like for somebody like me, that's so used to putting my heart to the side. Therapy was wonderful because I saw the therapist as a guide through the jungle of my stories. And he was able to kind of be a safari guide and say, hey, let's talk about this thing here. Let's stop for a moment. 
Um, but Sweet Like Jasmine is the uh, stories that surfaced as I and God went back to the past and tried wow. to find out. I had mm. to find out where is my father? Why did he leave me when he was when I was seven? I never wanted to find out what's the point, right? He already, he's gone. He's not here. That was my mentality growing up. And by God's grace, those, there are times earlier chapters and seasons of our lives. At the moment, we don't have time to figure it out and try to process everything. We survive, but our body remembers, our body tells mm. us we are not to carry those untold stories indefinitely. Wow. Because this started happening when I was happily married when I was uh, just had my second baby and I was in a very peaceful time in my life. I got married in my thirties, Sue. So I had been a career woman for 15 years. I had the opportunity to be a stay home mom. And so I wasn't really worried per se about anything. And yet it was while I was sleeping after I had my second baby out of nowhere, I started having panic attacks. They would wake me up so severely. I would start choking. Mm. And wow. I didn't know why, because there was nothing. Quote, and this was wrong. before your two books, your first two books. Was this before? Correct. Your correct. Okay. So that's why you started writing about rest because of your anxiety. Well, this is what's interesting. Actually, I got a first uh, book contract to write about rest, but it was going to be a Bible study book. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, here are all the scriptures about rest and what God has to say about it. It was in that first contract. I already wrote 30% of the book. I started having panic attacks. Oh my and goodness. I was terrified because I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to debut as a Christian author. Who wants to listen to a panic attack woman? Who would want to listen to a Christian woman who has panic attacks? And it's kind of like part of my identity. Like I felt the only way God would use me is if, you know, I I didn't have panic attacks. I didn't have anxiety. I just like this perfect encourager that, you know, just helped others, you know? Mm-hmm. And I learned through this experience is that no, we're wounded healers. God uses the fire we've walked through in life, the, the valleys we've walked through to then use that experience to speak to someone else that is going through hard times. Mm-hmm. What we all need when we go through hard times is really just a companion. That's really the voice of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, I wanted to f- uh, finish my thought about uh, panic attacks because I didn't understand why during a peaceful time I was experiencing them. And I didn't want anybody to know I was a Bible study teacher in my church. I was the train the trainers type Bible study teacher, mm-hmm. meaning I would lead other leaders right. <laughs> so that they would train other people to do Bible studies. And so I just felt like, oh, this is such a shameful thing. Mm. Um, I, I somehow must be failing in my faith. So I secretly went to go find a therapist and he, I went to the the top guy, he was the overseeing hundred different therapists. I went to him because I figured he would tell me who I could see a referral. Mm -hmm. And within one minute of hearing me describe my symptoms, he said, this is Dr. P. Oh, this is a classic case of PTSD. And I said, uh, I am not a soldier. I'm not a soldier. (laughs) Yes. I didn't witness anything physically violent. And he said, well, did you know and this changed the course of my life and why my ministry now is about helping women de-stress and experience God's peace. He said, did you know that verbal abuse and emotional abuse has the same impact as physical abuse? Wow. Hmm. I did not know that. So say that last thing. He said, you're, just, you're, you're helping women 
uh, helping women decompress. Is that what you said? I may have missed that. De-stress. De-stress, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, de-stress, yeah. Okay, go ahead. PTSD, wow. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I was like, wow, I did not know that. He said, Mm -hmm. you're just like, just as equally impactful as the soldier that's fighting in Afghanistan. Oh, what? And then I said, well, why is it happening now? That was my second question because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've walked through harder times in my life. Why is it now happening? He said, well, Bonnie, when does a soldier experience anxiety and panic attacks? It's not on the battlefield when he's being strong, when he's helping others, when he's being positive, when he's solving problems, when he's surviving. Hmm. So I'll just ask you rhetorically, Sue, when does the soldier experience anxiety and panic attacks? When he comes home and he's in a, a safe place. And then he falls apart. I was just reading uh, that, that wonderful 9-11 book, The Only Plane in the Sky. And so the one guy that slid down, like he got out, like from way up high in the towers, it was months later that he was having panic attacks because he was like one of the very few who survived in the, in the Twin Towers. So that's true. It's afterwards, you, you relax and then it comes to the, it's like bubbling to the surface. Is that how it was for you? Well, see, here's the interesting thing. It applies to every woman, whether or not you've had a happy childhood or a traumatic childhood. Each of us have moments in our lives that are difficult and we go through alone and Mm. we use coping mechanisms to be strong. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's very normal. But what worked for us in a previous season does not mean we are to carry our burdens indefinitely. And the way God made our bodies, he made our hearts and our minds, they're connected to our emotions. So after a period of time when we are safe and we are, quote unquote, past that, that, that valley, our body then is able to express itself. We can feel what we could not earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, interestingly enough, writing was my home. So because I was writing my book, I was free to write about things that happened early in my life, my body, it was a signal to my body that you're safe. You're finally here, Bonnie. Um, So it's interesting because it was many of us who are mothers have experienced this, that when we become mothers, we are experiencing, you know, no matter what severity or, you know, amount of stress, anxiety, depression, it happens just in motherhood. And we're often confused, like, why would it happen now? Right. You know, this is the wrong time. Right. Like, I, I don't have time to break down or I don't have time to be upset or depressed. But you know what? It's, it's a beautiful thing. It is because we are building a new legacy of faith. We want beautiful things. We want to be loving with our children. We want all these things. And actually, it's in that place. Our heart is vulnerable. And it's called Sweet Like Jasmine. This book is because we're each like a flower, a flower that petals opening we become vulnerable we be in touch we're more in touch with what we desire what we long for and our hearts the way god made us it's not compartmentalized so we can't say i want to be a beautiful family i want to have a loving relationship with my husband or my daughter or my son and then oh but uh whatever happened to me in the past like oh that part doesn't exist so our hearts opening up and so our body is just expressing really the honesty of what we need. So if we're really tired, maybe uh, we had a conversation with our friend and we hung up and we just felt betrayed, or maybe um, we've been making a lot of decisions to take care of others. And yet we just feel like, well, what about me? We would not voice it, Sue. We don't have space for it, but guess what? God knows, mm. God hears, and our body is kind of 
um, a honest, an honest signal to us. Something, not that something's wrong, but something needs to be right. Meaning you need something. Just a mm. flower needs water. Flower needs nurture. Flowers need sunlight. And so this is kind of a beautiful metaphor I want to share with the readers as you're reading Sweet Like Jasmine. Your voice is worthy. Your needs are worry, worthy. And God cares about those needs. And so I'd like to ask you, uh, what gave you the courage to write about things that were so painful in your past? Because I think people are afraid to share their stories. But when they read your story, Sweet Like Jasmine, it will release them to share their stories. And in the sharing is the healing. I think that's part of your message. Yes. Well, I think that for myself, I never really had the people that I felt I needed um, to go through hard times, but then God would somehow send somebody on my path hmm. and it would just take one person. Sometimes that person would spend, you know, it, it didn't matter how much time. Sometimes we feel like, oh gosh, um, I can't mentor another woman because, you know, I, I don't think I could commit to so much time. But sometimes there's a moment it could just be one moment, right. one conversation. And so I just feel like if I could just share a story and it allows another woman to feel seen and heard and to validate her experience, because I was that one person that someone spent time with, I know it's worth it. Mm. It, it would change the course of my moment. Mm. And I talk about a moment, many of these moments where, you know, I would have been totally alone, but I know because of God. There was somebody that heard me. And for the moments that nobody did hear me except God, then I want to be that voice to somebody else. Just like, you know, my mother was not a loving person. She's a very toxic person. But what drives my motherhood is that I want to be that loving voice to my children. Hmm. So you ask me, how did I, why am I writing about these honest words is because God heard me. Hmm. God is not ashamed of me. So if I can be that voice to another woman, then I want it. I want to be that because in that moment, there was nobody else. It was just Jesus. And, and, and it's important that we feel validated. That's where the healing is. In your book, will you explain how you came to Jesus since you weren't raised that way? Yes. Okay, yes. great. Yes. And I think I read somewhere, it says, finding identity in the culture of loneliness. Um, this is a story of God whispering, what no, what no one wants, I cherish. And when I read that, line I I tears came to my eyes and because I know of two women right now who need to feel cherished and welcomed by God I'm trying to be that for them but when I hear their stories it's like wow they have such holes in their souls and they have not quite accepted the fact that God not only noticed but he died for them and that they can be healed and so I know what they'll be getting for Christmas from me because <laughs> I think your story will free them up to feel strengthened and to lean on God and to lean on other people that will help them. Well, I think the only way that, at least for me, and that's what I hope to provide, there's 28 chapters and each chapter is not just about Bonnie. I chose stories that are about a woman's true worth. These are the lessons I had to learn to go back and rewrite with God. I, my mindset previous, like there's no purpose of going back in the past. I already had a terrible time living it the first time. Why yeah, would why I want bother? to go back? Yeah. Exactly. People say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But God said, but Bonnie, let me fill in the blanks. Let mm. me now go back and fill in 
um, mm-hmm. my love and show you what I have to say about it. You, you went through it on your own the first time, but now I want to go back with you and I want to share with you, you know, how I see you. And so every chapter has a question where the reader can think about, okay, what was this moment for you? And I want to share a story um, with our listeners is um, one moment is, and we shared this in the online book club right now during the pre-order period. We have women who have pre-ordered it. We're already talking about these questions. One is, what is a vow that you made earlier in your life? And so the reason how women can feel that God is with us is not just with the truth. You know, I talked about Sue, it's about our soul, our stories. We can feel God's love when we hear somebody else's story, we enter it in and we see how God loved them in their story. That's how we reach the soul not just with the truth. We need those two things. We need the story and we need the truth. So when I was little, um, I lived below the poverty line Mm. and we did not, my mother is a mail order bride from Hong Kong Mm. and my father is a busboy in a noodle shop. And they both did not graduate from high school. And I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. And my father left when I was seven years old. Mm. So these are things that I hid from everybody once I stepped through the doorway, because in order for me to be a part of life with my friends at school and later at work, you know, you basically hide the things that you don't think other people can relate to. Right. And so that's a part of my identity that I felt there wasn't very much need for. But um, I think all of us can relate to that. Who are we at home versus who are we outside when we go out the door? Mm -hmm. And in between there, that's where we need to be known. And so there's this one story where I, I um, had to go to back to my father. We were, they were divorced already for two years and I was sick. Usually we go, we see my Chinese doctor who prescribes herbs, mm-hmm. but we didn't have medical insurance. So when I finally, I had these sores in my mouth and my throat and my gums. Now as a mom, I know it was probably hand foot mouth disease. Oh, okay. I was going to say strep, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Strep. Yeah. All over. Yeah. It was very painful. I had a fever and my mother uh, dropped me off in the parking lot. And she said, uh, you need to go ask your father for money to see Mm -hmm. the doctor Mm -hmm. and look at, you gave it to your sister. So don't come back in the car unless you've got the money. Oh dear. So I had no idea what any of you would even say. My father never came back to see me. There was no call. There was nothing. And yet here I am walking into the restaurant, the Chinese restaurant. I have no idea what to say. And you're sick. And I'm sick. I am sick. So my father sees me and he's mad. He's like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I said, oh, I, I have a sore throat. I have a fever. I, I need money to see the doctor. And he said, I don't have any money. Go, go, go. Don't come here. Go, go, go. He's pushing me out the door. Mm. And I mean, I was terrified because my mom told me, don't come back in the car unless you have the money. So I turned to him and said, I, I can't, uh, Amma, that's Chinese for mom. Mm-hmm. Amma said, I have to get money or else I can't come back to the car. And my father said, oh, and he pulled out a wad of cash from his pocket. And that, in that moment, I felt so humiliated. He mm-hmm. just told me he didn't have money. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yet here he is, you know, with a wad of cash, he's peeling dollar bills and $5 bills. And he's not giving me very much money, by the way, Sue. Mm-mm. And as I held the money in my hands, he told me, he said, never, ever come back and ask me for money ever again. Wow. And as I walked back to the car, I swore to myself, I made a vow. I said, I will never ask 
anything from anyone ever again. Wow. <laughs> I will not rely a reaction. on anybody. Well, you yeah, know, you're a child. I'm a child. I said, mm-hmm. even if I die, mm-hmm. even I, I will, I'd rather be poor in the street than homeless. I will not ask anybody. Mm-hmm. For anything. So as that little girl, that's the vow I made. And, and each of us had made a vow when we're in a place of need, or maybe we are in a place of loneliness, you know, to get through those hard times, it's not shameful. God understands. He understands we had to make those, those vows. But yet God is saying, I want to write something new in your life. I understand that those were needed at the time, but now I want to love you more. Mm-hmm. I want to write a new way of being with you. Mm-hmm. And so I had to unlearn that. I had to unlearn. I want to read an excerpt from this book. I ha- and I, I write... I journal. Journal is a very wonderful part of healing. Um, I agree. And I wrote this to myself. I said, you cannot embrace how beloved you are unless you follow someone else's path. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You're worthy to live your own version of a beautiful life. Don't give up on yourself. God is not giving up on you. God completes you not because you're strong, but because he'll meet you in your need. And that means you must be vulnerable to share your story and to share what it is that you need help. Mm-hmm. And I will come. I will come. Jesus loves us so much. So I had to relearn. I had to relearn in that moment of need. Okay, I need to tell somebody. Right, right. I love this quote. God wants to take you everywhere you've been and show you that he was there. Is that what you've been talking about going through the process of writing your story? Yes, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful quote. That mm-hmm. is in there. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I asked God, I go, I don't know if I want to do this. God says, I want to take you back so I can mm. show you I was there. Now for the woman, um, well, I was thinking of some of my friends when I read this quote, listen to your life and celebrate everything. I circled that word that has happened to you because it is through those events that God speaks. Um, I would think of someone who has been deeply hurt like yourself might read that and say, well, not everything. How can I celebrate the death of my mother when I was 16 or um, that I was abused when I was five? Because um, I just talked to someone who, that way. And people can either become bitter or better by whether what direction they go. Are they going towards God and say, Lord, make something new out of this horrible situation? I mean, what encouragement would you offer to someone who says, I just, I'm not there, Bonnie. I can't see that God was there with me. Yeah, I think that's the cry that needs to be cried. Oh, is you weren't there, God. You weren't there. Why weren't you there? Why did you make me have to go ask my father for money? Mm. Why did you put me in a family that had no father? Okay, why did you have to do this to me, God? And I never would have said that before. That's where God wants to show me he was there. I can cry. I can be angry. And I, I don't see any point in this. This is what I told God. That's the honesty. That is the honesty. And it's in that honesty that God's comfort, God's comfort, God's arms of love. That's when I actually realized God was with me. Because part of this, that's all I held up was the truth. God loves me. He loves me unconditionally. He can heal me and I forgive. So these are all truths I told myself. But what I'm trying to say, Sue, is that God wants to be intimate in our stories. Mm-hmm. He wants to meet us there at the moment where our heart breaks. And that's the only way that we can feel God's love mm-hmm. is that we come to him with our brokenness. And that's how brokenness is made beautiful. So there's a quote that says, listen to your life 
celebrate everything. Okay, celebrate it meaning, you know what? When nobody wanted me, when nobody understood me, Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. But you can't say that unless you share that brokenness with him. Mm-hmm. And it starts with maybe sharing that brokenness with each other. Well, you intimated earlier about just the, at the right time, uh, people would come into your life and encourage you, even if they were just yes. there for a moment. I, I call that one-stop mentoring, where you just get to talk to a person one time. You may never see them again, but you're able to offer some truth of love and acceptance into their lives. My and favorite, I, I want to say yeah. that the mm-hmm. truth and acceptance of that love is not so much with words, but it's listening. Mm. So it says, listen to your life. So the way someone feels love is by being listened to. So for instance, if somebody says, you know, they don't know why they feel lonely, or I I just, you know, this happened to me, I was sexually assaulted. And I actually wrote about this. There's a chapter in here where I was sexually assaulted in college. And instead of quickly trying to cover up the pain or trying to get them to the mountaintop or through it, we just say, how did it feel? Mm. You know, like, how does it affect you now? Do you ever think about it? Um, What happened when it happened? It's having the courage to be there because Jesus is like that. Jesus goes into uh, every woman's life. When he met the woman at the well, he he was basically letting her know, I'm there. I, I understand what's happening, what you're having to live through. And I'm not, I'm not leaving. And he didn't change her by telling her what to do. He, he changed her because he was able to spend time with her, pour her some water, just listen to her. You know, I think that there's a lot more to that scene than what was captured just because the Bible's limited how many words are in there, you know, it's summarized. But I, I imagine that that was a beautiful moment where he spent time with her. Mm. Well, so you know, we, it was because of the results in her own life. Almost, exactly. Almost immediately. And to uh, that's one of my favorite stories as well. And when you talk about listening, that recently I've been, I speak a lot on hospitality, and I think just listening to someone is one of the greatest acts of hospitality. Not to always be telling your story necessarily, or oh yeah, that happened to me too. But like what the questions you just offered just now. So how did that feel? I mean, someone told me recently that her mother told her she loved her one time, and she remembers what day it was, and when she was about nine, and that's it only one time, you know, and I just thought, wow, the grief of that situation. So I want to go back to her and say, so how did that feel? Yeah, sure. She has that space. Um, and then she is really seeking God. So that's exciting. So, um, so that that is so great. I speak a lot about loneliness because of hospitality. I feel that loneliness is a secret shame that women often carry and men as well. Um, men don't even want to talk about it at all, but women uh, will find themselves in different seasons of life and find that they are lonely. So when you say, um, we just, this one, the truth is we are simply walking each other home and we don't have to walk alone. That is so beautiful. I think that sums up the book for me. I just think that's such a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes. That really sums up the book because through each story, that you share, first of all, with yourself, giving yourself permission. And then second, if you're a bookworm like me, you like to have book club, you want to be in a small group. Each chapter has three questions. I put three because there's three different types of questions. So it'll make it easier for you, the woman to choose which one you want to share. Right. That we're walking each other home. The more we can be present, we can bring all parts of ourselves 
to be present, then the more we feel at home in the world and the more then we're no longer lonely. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's having that freedom. And I think listening is a really key part. Um, and I think that's what I want to show in the book is that there's healing and freedom, not because we can fix the way we think, but simply by being present and allowing other people into our stories. And so the, it, it does take practice for people that are in the group to not troubleshoot, to not fix, because mm-hmm. the, it's just like a flower. You just have more listening and acceptance, and that person will feel loved, not to understand that they're loved, but to experience love. So mm. the one, one pick, one thing I'd like to sh- um, share is like my son, he was sick during the pandemic. And I kept trying to explain to him, you're going to be better in three days. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we're going to have you drink uh, orange juice and then it's okay. Your throat will buy throat longes. I'm explaining to him how he's going to be okay. Like none of it helped him. He's no. crying. He's very <laughs> upset. And then finally I just remembered, I said, I need just comfort him. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. You feel miserable. Come here. I just started soothing him, giving him a hug. And I said, okay, I'll be back. Let me get you some tea. Didn't explain anything of the truth of the situation. Just was with him. That's all I needed. Yeah. And then he said, how are you feeling? I feel better, mom. I'm okay. (laughs) So, you know, this is all we want. We're Mm -hmm. walking each other home. We just want to have that refuge to know we're okay. We can just be the way we are. We can Mm -hmm. be imperfect. We can feel rotten. And guess what? I'm not there yet. I don't, I can't celebrate anything. Guess what? That's a celebration that we don't have to. Well, that's what you said at the beginning about though, we're in the middle. Our Bible study leader, who's the leader of leaders, (laughs) wrote this to us this week. Uh, We all need to wait, W-A-I-T, and think of ourselves as, why am I talking? In other words, ask a question and then stop talking and let them let them answer it. Why am I talking? I said, well, that could be a tattoo, but then it would actually need to be on your head. So I could look at it and go, oh yeah, I should be quiet and listen to what this person's trying to say. Well, you actually would use the word legacy a couple of times and we're going to wrap up in just a moment. But when you say, when I ask you, what is your legacy that you want to be known for? What would be the main thing that you would say? That I am honest. Mm. That I'm honest. Because if I'm honest, then you'll be comfortable being honest with me. And in the honesty, then we're no longer alone. That's, that's my greatest wound is that I felt alone so much throughout my life. And yet, because I know that God has brought me refuge and solace in my loneliness, that's how I know I'm loved. Mm-hmm. It's because he was with me in my loneliness. He didn't try to change me. He just loved me in my loneliness. And um, it's kind of a little peek into, you know, the story of why I became a Christian is, the, what drew me to God wasn't just because he rose from the dead three days later. It was because he was lonely. Mm-hmm. That part of the story really, really hit me hard because I said, wow, he understands me. Mm-hmm. So I said, if there is a God, and if that's you, I think I would want to follow you because you understand my loneliness. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that you know, you'll, you'll hear more about how that came about, but mm-hmm. it was God's loneliness that drew me mm-hmm. close to him. And so I feel like I see this in my own life. The more I'm able to share out of my vulnerability, 
um, then other people feel safe. They can breathe. They can relax. They can stay here and not feel like, oh gosh, this is stressful trying to make small talk or like trying to figure out what to say to, you know, fit into everybody. I was like, Hey, you know, I just, just be honest, you know, what it'll make everybody will love being around you because then they can be themselves. Yes, exactly. Bonnie, tell us how we can get the book and the offer that you're offering, because this is coming out, um, a couple days before your book is released. So is there something special that if anybody orders their book beforehand that they could get? Yes. There is a free audiobook. I narrate oh. it. <clears throat> I narrate this drama. It's a written like a novel. Oh, it's good. a mystery as to what happens when I try to find my father hmm. that left me when I was seven. Pardon me. It's all right. You need some water? (laughs) This is what happens in real life. (laughs) So it's written like a novel. It's a mystery of trying to find your father. He left when you were seven. And so does each chapter build on that? Yes. Okay. And so if people will... Uh, pre-order the book before it comes out, which I think comes out uh, next Tuesday. Is that correct? The 5th, right? And this podcast is going to come out on the 3rd. And so you just have a couple days if you want to get the free audiobook. But even so, wasn't there something about a journal? Did you want to explain that? Or I can just write it down. I'm afraid you're... <laughs> yes, there's a Stories of Faith Ooh. journal. There's 28 prompts. This is the very questions I ask myself. Hmm. <clears throat> about the stories where God rewrote my true worth. Wow. And every page in this journal, there's 20 different areas we cover as women. Areas of true worth. Like what? Can you give me a sample? Excuse me. There's a Bible verse, an inspiring quote, and a question. So one of them, for instance, is, what is a vow that you made okay. <laughs> to yourself, right? Great. And then there is that beautiful quote that you read about listening to your life. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, yeah. those are wonderful gifts that you get if you pre-order. And uh, if they don't pre-order and they get later, are they able to still buy the journal on the side thing, right? You can nod. I know you're having oh, trouble. Oh, <laughs> no. Um, you go to sweetlikejasmine.com. Okay. All right. Yes. And the free audiobook. I narrate it. I narrate it like it's very dramatic. <laughs> and um, I just look forward to being an audio companion for you. If you love novels, you love a good mystery, this is, an, this is uh, me trying to uncover the family secrets and what I, I discover. L- yes. I love and it. And then along the way, that's where God speaks. Because, you know, when we try to do something new, that's where we give God space hmm. to speak into our lives. And so if we pre-order, will that audiobook just automatically be mailed to our, e- to our email? Is that how it works? Yes. Make sure you pre-order by October 5th. By October 5th. Oh, by the end of that day, right? Give them a whole day. All right, Bonnie, you have been absolutely inspiring. And I know it will be a blessing to my listeners. And I appreciate your time. And is, are there any last words? No, just remember that you're loved, you're cherished. And we can just rest and I'm excited to share this book with you because this is a journey that I took that I captured 
I'm a writer, so I captured all the different questions that were very pivotal in inviting God into my story. And also I know because I am a soul care mentor and I have led thousands of women through speaking, through retreats and through online book study that these are going to be very revelatory as you share. Like I said, if you're into small groups or you have a book club, you're going to be learning something about women that you've known maybe even for decades and you're going to learn something new about each other because we often tend to study the Bible together. Again, that's needed but we don't know very much about each other as mm. human beings. Mm. And how, how can people follow you? What's the name of your web, website? Yes. Uh, sign up for the newsletter that Sue said, you know, she, she subscribes through my blog. Um, I send a newsletter out at the okay. And you can also follow me on Instagram at the Gray. And, um, again, make sure to sign up at sweetlikejasmine.com because these are pre-order bonuses for this journal. It's where you can capture your legacy of faith. I myself, after I completed it, I read these stories to my children. Wow. And they did not know these stories about me ever until just April. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's very hard. Like, how do you go into like, sure. <laughs> you know, your stories? But if you have it in a journal, you're able to then say, hey, kids, this is exactly what I said. Okay, Sue, I said, hey, kids, you know what? You know me as mom. But I want to share these stories with you as who I am as a person, mm-hmm. as a woman, because you're going to go through ups and downs in your life. And I want you to know that God is with us in the valleys. And so mm-hmm. it makes it easy for me to just read them to you. I'm going to read one to you. And if you like, I can read more for you. But I just want to know if you're interested. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if they would be, but I was so surprised because I didn't know if it would be TMI. Too much information. Yes, exactly. I have two teenagers. Right. And I and they're boys. And so they're maybe boys. They'd be, yeah. Maybe they'd be like, uh, mom. No, thanks, I mom. Know, yeah. I didn't need to know that about yeah. you, mom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I just read one and wow. They said, mom, my oldest son. <clears throat> I read about that vow about, you know, my dad, right? Mm. Um, not giving me money. And I was afraid because the things that brought me shame, I was thinking maybe if they knew that about me and about their background, like, you know, their yeah, mom, they, they would feel shameful. Like, sure. oh gosh, that's our family history. That's terrible. But no, in fact, they said, mom, you never told that about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never told us about uh, that about you. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you tell us? And then my youngest son, Caleb, came and he wrapped his arms around me. He's like, Mom, I'm so sorry. That's so mean. That's so hurtful. And then my other son, you know, said, Mom, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. You wrote this story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sometimes we're afraid. We don't want them to think badly about <clears throat> maybe our parents or the grandparents. Right. But you know what? That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I got to teach him. I go, now, um, you know, we are forgiving. So, you know, I forgive my father. But we also, we need to be honest about something that happens to us. So you can be forgiving and yet still be honest. So in that moment, I taught my children something I was never taught, which was we can still be honest and validate our experiences. Okay. We tell what happened, but we can still be forgiving and not be angry and bitter towards them. Mm -hmm. So we need both. So Mm -hmm. sometimes as Christians, we get the wrong message. We think if we forgive someone, we cannot talk about how they've hurt us. That's not true. That's true. true. And also your kids are seeing, um, I think, the greater glory of God because they go, oh, that's my mom. She's a speaker. She's a writer. She's a coach. She helps all these people. But the fact that you came from such a difficult, 
hard situation and God graced your life, changed your life through a lot of hard work. Uh, and then they will see the glory of God in that. So I just think it's beautiful that you shared that with your kids. I think that great, that's a great place to end because as parents who want to build a new legacy of faith, we forget, we think that the way to get our kids inspired is by only talking about the mountaintop. Exactly. And I have to say that that is not true because how can they live up to that? How can they live up to the mountaintop their whole lives? There's no way. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them your frailties, and I take this from Paul, Paul said, I will boast of my weaknesses mm -hmm. to show God's strength. And he said, all the more, in fact, <laughs> So the more we can share those like failures or mistakes or, um, you know, the pain that we've been through, the more those mountaintops are going to make sense right. and it's going to give them courage during the, uh, <clears throat> the valley. So yes, we must share our whole story and not just cut out parts of it. Yeah. Not the good parts version, the all parts version, because God is in it. Well, thank you, Bonnie. What an inspiration you are to so many and now to my audience. So I thank you so much for, this, for your time. Thank you, Sue. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.